look, this is a real opportunity for there to be kind of a a Dunkirk moment for advanced manufacturing of this all of these facilities. And I know company and several other companies in the advanced manufacturing space having idle capacity and, and furloughing people and laying people off. And it's just like, I mean, that really seems to be a lost opportunity. So Mudcat being Mudcat was was running around. And we were collaborating on, on trying to get some momentum. And he said, well, I found all these people that have you know, a real need and, you know, not just looking for handouts and volunteerism or this kind of stuff, but a genuine pressing need. And so I said, yeah, give a call. I mean, if company you know, they they can't just like donate stuff that's that's the thing that's really pissing me off at the moment is that everyone expecting people to donate things rather than anything else and and you know while i applaud the sentiment it's not realistic yeah you can only give so much blood oh, but you get goodwill and exposure and, and and that's valid yes i agree and that's valuable to a point uh but um <laughs> you know who doesn't accept you know exposure and brand loyalty American Express. <laughs> <laughs> so you better bring your Visa card. Not a sponsor <laughs> yet. And part of what I was seeing and getting from some of the, the the people that the company I work for has on the ground was there's still a sense of, of like business as usual and iterations as usual. And just like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll build this thing and get it up and going in like, oh, three weeks. And because I've been – because I'm me and I've been building models – uh, since the start of March for spread and mortality and all of those kind of things, uh, it, it kicks me back to what I used to do, which was a lot of the, the you know, you don't have three weeks to, to, you know, produce a perfect solution. You need to have something up and going in 12 hours to make decisions on. And so that was the kind of the pace that I was running at. And so like for the last 10 days or 10 days preceding Thursday, I was just like banging on every door that I could and saying, stop sitting around stroking your chin, trying to work out how you're going to make money out of this and start delivering things that people can actually make use of, not just about what's happening now, but looking forward and building forecasts and models that will help determine proactively rather than reactively where things are going to be happening and, and what needs to get there and who then is equipped to do it. And that got me to the, well, there's a lot of idled Advanced manufacturing. Yeah, it was it was interesting. People go, oh yeah, we'll we'll have this you know, going back to it. You know, we'll have this set up in three weeks. And I was just like, no, but you can do these things now to start building these kind of models and then iterate them quickly. Which you'd thunk would be a bunch of people who are already committed to doing that. And I've yet to identify that group. So hence I called Mudcat, and then Mudcat ends up calling. And I think that's the only way we're going to start getting some of this done. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, just start taking action. I mean, it's the, it's, it's part of what we've been talking about this whole series is that there's not going to be some other person that's going to magically show up on your doorstep and be like, Hey, you know, all those things you've been worried about, here's the answer. Oh, well, some people are, and it's snake oil usually, but <laughs> you've got to take the action for yourself. And, um, it doesn't have to be perfect. It's just got to be in the right direction because you can make changes as you go. So long as it's not detrimental, you know, if it's not hurting anyone to get started. And it's better to have incomplete information than no information. And, right. and part of this has been back when I used to do the counter terrorism, public safety stuff, 
there were two approaches and one which the US went down, which is like, we're creating the Department of Homeland Security. You have nothing to fear and we'll tell you what to do. And, and you know, it isolates the population from being reactive as opposed to saying the population is actually your best network and you inform and engage them and equip them with the information to make decisions and understand how that reflects on the community. It's a, a community-based engaged approach as opposed to you know, the government will protect you, you know, just obey the, the authorities approach, which doesn't work well in situations like this. It doesn't work well in, in the case of terrorism either, or counterterrorism either. So it was a, it was a pretty fraught and frustrating a couple of weeks when I was watching, you know, the death counts you know, every day go from, you know, 200 to 500 to 700 to 900 to 1100 and watching it tick past is like, oh, look, you know, it's just tick past, you know, more people than died in Iraq. It's just tick past more people than died in Afghanistan. It's more people than died in, in 9-11. And the, the machinery is, is not equipped or, I, I think, intellectually prepared in many ways. And I'm not making a political thing about this because I, I don't really care about the political class at this point. I'm talking about the response end of it, that, uh, that it's, it's – even for me, it's been disappointing that uh, – there hasn't been a a, a, a a group or an entity that's been able to respond. And a lot of the responses have been, I'm not going to trivialize them, but uh, have been completely piecemeal and uncoordinated. And there is so much of an opportunity to do more than that. But it does need to be coordinated. Unfortunately, the only people with the scope to actually do the coordination is the government, and they don't seem to be Certainly, they're not communicating well enough across a broad enough swath to look beyond pretty outdated modes and methods of uh, mobilization in comparison to, say, how Germany's reacted or, or some of the other uh, South Korea and places like that. It's true. And uh, here comes my shallow attempt here to, to pivot. <laughs> you know, when so many... Uh, of the organizations you look to for the the leadership and the strategy for really how to stay safe, how to win at this uh, strife at these these times, we wanted to take a stab at uh, how to win, and you know we're going to start small. We're going to start small with you know something that may come across, uh, something that can just happen sometimes. And that's when you find yourself in a freak gasoline fight. <laughs> how are, how, what, are, what are the tips and strategies? How are you going to win when you find yourself in one of these freak gasoline fights? Uh, and that's what we're here to do today on the Modern Dandies Guide to Manliness. Keep calm and look good. That's right. I love that. Keep calm and look good. Of course, we're here with Liam and Josh. Uh, and uh, I, of course, am Wes. So thank you, listener. We hope that you are safe. Uh, we hope that you are uh, following the guidelines that are out there. Uh, so be well. Um, stay calm and look good. And so, Liam, <laughs> uh, to, to, to bring this back to some reality here, what are we talking about when we say free gasoline fight acts? Because we're, we're uh, referencing... Uh, a very lighthearted movie. You want to uh, kind of share with us our lead in there on the... For those that didn't get the Zoolander reference, 
firstly, you should go and watch it. And, and secondly, it's like, if you didn't get the Zoolander reference, why are you listening to this podcast? <laughs> and, and I love the fact that we just came up with this title and then designed a show around it because yeah, we really that's pretty much what happened. <laughs> yeah. the title of the show. And, and it was also a conversation that had popped up because of Josh venturing into the realm of men's jewellery and men's adornment. And we had a couple of conversations um, when Josh and I were down in New Orleans uh, over Mardi Gras. Neither of us got sick, which is kind of pretty amazing that we know of. He's now he, he's now well adorned, and I was admiring his uh, his his bracelets. Uh, and we had a side conversation about rings, which is something that Mudcat I know is very passionate about. Interestingly, this is actually a subject that I'm relatively neutral on. Um, I don't have strong opinions, and I'm just going to let that hang there for a second. Yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> wow. I'm so excited then because we found the thing. <laughs> I actually do have really strong opinions on this one. So this is, this will be fun. Uh, <laughs> so this is kind of like a course on a, a variety of things that really bring a look together. And we, we think it's appropriate because we've talked about a variety of things uh, of suits and shoes and, and all of that. But I think that from you know, Liam, one of my favorite stories where uh, you walked into that that meeting and everybody kind of had nice suits, but they were, you know, so-so. Uh, there wasn't anything that jumped out as individual. And I think that's where these accessories really can bring a bit of your personality. But you have to be very careful with them because, you know, there there can be some faux pas, I think, depending on where you are bringing them to. Is certainly people can get away with with you know, excessive adornment. Is that the, the, the people with like you know, five bracelets on every on each wrist and like seven rings and uh, um, you know studs and earrings and piercings and some people can get away with all of that and it's still part of their character without it looking affected, without it looking like they're they're playing a pantomime of someone who's just like jammed things onto their onto their body and that's why i said like i don't have strong strong opinions about this because i've seen so many people pull off amazing stuff and then every so often there's someone who'll just have like one thing on and i'll just like go damn that is that is just the perfect accent for who they are and it's also something i'm relatively new at i don't like wearing things on my fingers for example and that's that goes back a long way to when i used to work with my hands a lot Right. But I do, it turns out, as I discovered only recently, and a couple of years ago is when I started doing this, as you might remember, is that I actually do like wearing bracelets, particularly like earthier ones with like leather and metal and, and, and so forth. I occasionally will wear a, a pendant or something, but most of the time I also, you know, I don't tend to put things on around my neck. Once I started wearing watches, I think is also when I went, well, I want to balance out the look of the other wrist. And and I saw some people doing things as like going, I really like the style that that man is is projecting there. And so I started experimenting to find my own style. But I, I think in this case, it's like I'd love to throw it over to Josh to 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 talk about his exploration. For me, it, it's always been something I, I was interested in, and and you know, I, I think I had like a cheap silver ring that I got in college that I wore for like three weeks, and then I decided it was a little too like 
clearly purchased at a head shop and, and didn't really it had no quality and it had, didn't really bring anything to the, to the table. And I, I hadn't done any jewelry since, but you know, I, I always sort of had an interest in it. I, I, I liked the look. I, I actually, I liked the ring, the look of, you know, a couple rings on each hand. Mm. Um, but you know, finding the right piece mattered. And I, I've got, you know, as the guy at the, at the jewelry store said, like I've got big mitts, right? So I, <laughs> I had to find, especially for that first piece, something that didn't look, dainty and silly. Cause that wasn't what I was trying to, to convey. Like I, I needed like a big substantial piece. Um, and you know, it took me several weeks to figure out what that was and going back and looking at it over and over again. And, you know, I did pick up a couple of bracelets along the way too. Um, and you know, I, I settled on, you know, what is essentially a signet ring that I wear my, my right middle finger. And I think I, I sort of feel about it the way some people seem to feel about tattoos, which is like, once you have the first one, you just want more. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I've been like, you know, looking like, all right, so how am I going to, how am I going to compliment this? Like when I get, you know, married to, to Aubrey, hopefully later this year, if we're not stuck in quarantine, like, you know, there's going to be a wedding ring. So how do I balance that all out? And, and you know, what, what's too much. And, you know, I, I think it goes back to also what we've talked about since episode one, which with fit being the foundation, you know, every piece of jewelry isn't right for every situation wearing all your jewelry is, isn't right for every situation. I'm going to dress differently for a concert. If we're ever allowed to go to those again, than I am for a business meeting. If we're ever allowed to go to those again, you know, I think about one of the most sort of well-known and well-written about pieces of man jewelry is, is a skull ring that Keith Richards has worn for something like 45 years. Mm. And, And you never see a picture of Keith Richards without this ring, but like, I can't wear a skull ring to a pitch. Right? Like, I look ridiculous. <laughs> I think you totally could, by the way, like in all seriousness, but I really think that you, Josh, with your mm. beard and your size, like your physical presence, I think you can pull off a skull ring only because the words and your body language that then follow it, bring it back down so that people are like, oh, he's not a biker. Like you're, you're not about to like throw someone across a bar, but you look like you could. Exactly. Yeah. So just in all seriousness, I think you could pull off a skull ring and it would be badass. <laughs> I agree. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for one. Um, I, I want one that, that look, I mean, there's a lot of ones out there that look like they just put, you know, the, the different village people outfits on, on different skulls. Um, but I wouldn't wear it to a business meeting. Like that would be for a specific time in a specific place. Um, it's not the right fit for every occasion, I guess is where I was going with it. I agree. I, although the way that I got around that, because I, I have a, I like skulls and roses and things, hence the lining of one of my suits. I do have skull cufflinks, which are, in, which are encrusted with little tiny crystal flecks and the skulls have little crowns on them. So it's, it's like the king of the dead on my wrist. And it's just a little glint that comes out, and it's like people, are you are you wearing skull cufflinks? And I would like a yes because this is how I negotiate, and I'm totally for that, right? Like, and that that's the difference, right? Like a, a giant skull ring might not look work in a meeting, but skull cufflinks, you know, you're dressed for the meeting, and you're you're showing that little pop of of your own individuality, your little your own little flair there. I think also it's it's the size and materials, right, and the craftsmanship. 
Absolutely. Because, yes. because that's really what you're going for as well with your accents and accessories. If you're going into a professional business meeting and you are a creative, we talked about this when we were talking about what you, what's appropriate to be wearing at work. Should you be wearing a suit and tie all the time? Or can you, know, and you, Josh, were saying how mm. because you're in a creative space, you get a little bit more leeway. But I think that this answer comes back to what we're talking about, which is if you haven't met any of these people, what you're wearing, rings and accessories included, are sending a message. And you just need to be aware of that and do so with intent. And I like this discussion you're having now, Josh, which is that you are being very mindful of the message that you would send. And while we're all excited as your friends going like, yeah, you'd look so cool in it though. You're being mindful of, okay, well, these are paying clients coming in. I'm meeting them. What message am I presenting to them before we get to know each other? And then you can kind of relax that a little bit. Right. You're right. Like I could wear whatever I wanted to a shoot or to a follow-up meeting or, or something like that. But I'm going to send the, the message I'm sending if I show up wearing, you know, my right now two bracelets and and maybe two or three rings over the you know as I get up build up to them without sort of throwing you know the skull ring into the mix mm. right like I'm gonna still send the message and I you know I'm not gonna lie I've been spending a lot of time in quarantine looking at at <laughs> what's gonna come next <laughs> I can still show up with wearing what I think will be a couple of pieces that will still send that message without sort of throwing that extra shocker in there. Right. Right. Yeah. So let, let, let them get to know me. They'll still see who I am and they'll still see, you know, how I express that I'm expressive and creative in those things. But there's something about like that particular piece that I think is maybe not, you know, yeah. for, not for the, not for the first date. And it, it goes back to, and you're right. It goes back to the whole fit and foundation thing. And, and, one of you know, my principles, which I've mentioned before, is like never let your clothing be more interesting than you are. And the other is... So much for most of the modeling industry. <laughs> <laughs> True. And if you're a model, that's fine. Uh, if you're being paid to do it, if it's your job, obviously that, that's your intent. Um, right, right. And, and <laughs> we, are, we are, you know, on a Zoolander theme today. Exactly. Uh, and and uh, so if you have the white Ford Bronco and you want the orange Frappuccino, perfectly fine if 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 that's if that's part of of, of who you are, and and also to your point, part of what people expect. And like one of the pieces of advice that I was given, probably in my late twenties, when I was I was I think just joined the management consulting firm, and people are saying, look, when you first meet clients, when you first meet people, just tone yourself down a little. Because let, let people get used to you before the real you, before you sort of like reveal the real you so that they, they're not going, holy shit, oh my God, what just fucking happened? You know, who just like turned up and is, is like shaking the tree and, and, and like stomping around all over the place and like driving to get things done. Like let people get used to you. you know, and, you know, part of being a dandy and part of what we've talked about, the modern dandy, is being yourself, but also not like slapping people in the face with a cold fish. You know, it, it's, it's, it doesn't have to be that shocking. And it also doesn't mean you have to compromise yourself. It's funny, right before you said the cold fish thing, I was having this this memory. I don't know if either of you ever had an aquarium or a fish tank of any kind. Yeah. Yes. But like when you get a new fish, right, you bring it home in a little plastic bag and they tell you to just put the plastic bag 
unopened in the aquarium for a couple hours so the fish can like acclimate to the temperature and like you can still watch the fish swimming around and being the, being a fish but you know you want to make sure that they are comfortable in their environment before you let them roam free and i think that's exactly sort of what we're talking about here yeah are you talking in code is someone no, someone, no. <laughs> someone listening right now i'm literally talking about actual goldfish <laughs> are we are we making a euphemism of of slapping someone with something but first sheathing it in a plastic container of some kind <laughs> so that 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 comes after the lockdown <laughs> when everyone's pent up tinder desires and, and internal uh, fantasies from being locked up come yeah. out wrap it up people wrap it up I actually, I, I was going to say, I know Wes, you said in the intro that you have very strong feelings about this and you are usually in the position here of asking the questions, but I, I would love to hear your very strong feelings on this topic. Until very recently, and I'll tell you the milestone that changed my opinions, uh, and it was Keanu Reeves on the cover of GQ that has changed these strong opinions and has opened my mind a little bit. Uh, so my my opinions on men's jewelry started from growing up and uh, becoming, let's say, musically and art and culturally making my own decisions in, in the early 90s. So that's when I was starting to break away from uh, whatever my parents were listening to and just making my own decisions about what I wanted to listen to. And that was the grunge and then the faux you know, rock and roll, the genera rock, as I like to call it, as you got into the <laughs> late 90s. And so what, when I see a lot of men's jewelry, I think of Creed. And all the negative things that go along with that, which is not very fair. And that's why I, I almost just did a spit take. Yeah, by that's, why, that's why I wanted to preface it with, you know, GQ has helped me come around to see better role models, let's say, with, with how this could be done. But I just, you know, I remember, and so Liam, there's an apology following this. But when I saw your, your first box, Liam, of, of those bracelets, my mind was like really broken because I wanted to be like, that's stupid. But it looks so. But it looked good on you, so I apologize for. Not, 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 but I was like, "Why are you wearing that? It, aren't, aren't those dumb?" But I was looking at you and going, "But it looks good, so why would it be dumb?" So I was really kind of breaking down some bad judgments that I had been carrying around with me based on creed which i think could be true of a lot of people uh, just across the board i don't think a lot of people think about creed frankly <laughs> <laughs> well they probably shouldn't but then the other thing was like i grew up uh, around a lot of uh, young musicians trying to make it into the the music industry and and so the fashion choices i saw were a lot of black a lot of jewelry you know everybody was looking at the band the rock and roll bands from the 70s and they were kind of building not the hair and clothing but just that you can kind of wear whatever you want you're going to wear a lot of jewelry lots of rings lots of bracelets lots of metal and leather and i just you know i knew that i wasn't going to be that and so in my mind it was just going a hard turn away from jewelry because that was kind of the image that was in my head and that's not the image that i wanted to project so I was staying away from a lot of this because, you know, I mean, this is like, I figured that you're, you're in a band or you ride a Harley, uh, you know, or you pretend to be either of those things. That's, that's where jewelry was for me at the time. So I, I agree with the, 
faux metal over the top thing because the, and that was kind of my reaction to it as well and my interpretation of male jewelry became a lot more nuanced when i realized that in addition to cufflinks things that could really count in a look are things like belt buckles they can be yeah. like mm-hmm. whether your shoes have have zips they're things like we've talked about pocket squares and things but tie pins tie clips all of those things, to me, I bucket into the broader definition of you know, adornment, which is essentially what jewelry is. Oh, absolutely. And this is what I love about it is you play with different materials. So I've got a lot of things that are wood and leather based. I tend to like the metals. I tend to like things that look more worn. Uh, and yeah, when I was when I was first playing around with the bracelets, it's like I was just like going, I was like, I am going to go all in on this look. And that was when, like, I bought all my Hawaiian shirts. I had the bracelets. I had the dive watch. I was like, I was just like, going, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to take it, hopefully, successfully, almost to the edge of caricature. But I'm, I'm going to make it me. This is me, not working. And it did include things like, and to me, belts and belt buckles are a, are a really key, subtle thing that you can do. You can find belts and with buckles try and get the belts where you can replace the buckle and things like that, that just add a, a, an element. And in fact, I just pulled up the, the Keanu Reeves cover and it's like, he's got an amazing belt buckle. That's just like the centerpiece of his, his outfit. And he, all he's wearing is a signet ring in, in a lot of it, a, a Tiffany's uh, signet ring, not a sponsor yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's exactly the point. Sorry to, to jump over the top of you, but I just yeah, want no. to make sure that was clear is that, then I saw how you could do this with subtle uh, intentions. And and for me, the belt buckle was exactly the pathway forward because I remember as I started to do better in my career and I could start afford to uh, make decisions about these kinds of things, the belt buckle was very important to me as I was starting to tuck in my shirt. And then... <laughs> And then that signet ring, that that ring there, and now I am I am right on board with that. Of I want a pinky ring, I want one. I I know I can do it, but you got to be able to find the right one. That's the challenge for me, right there. Finding the right one is, is really the thing. It's funny. I went the opposite direction of Liam. Like I very much said, I'm not going full blown caricature on this. Like I would have loved to just buy everything I saw for the first, you know, buy it all at once. But first, you know, and I even said to the guy in the store, like, I don't need to look like I'm a paid celebrity endorser of your products, even though I really like them. Like, I may need to mix this up a little bit. But also, like, it took me a couple of days to get used to wearing wearing the ring and wearing the signet ring. I've got big hands. It's a big piece. I wisely was told by, by my dandy lady, like, maybe just get used to this for a little while and then you can start adding things in. And I'm glad I did that. Because, you know, people have noticed it and said like, oh, that that's a new thing. And if I sort of showed up with, you know, five rings on my fingers and nine bracelets, like people are going to say like, who are you trying to be? Mm. And, you know, look, the answer is I'm trying to be me. I'm just, you know, easing into it a little bit. If you do go full in, like, and maybe it depends on what stage you're at in your life too. be prepared for people to, to say like, who the fuck do you think you are? Like, you know, Halloween's not for six months because <laughs> it, it is somewhat about easing people into, and I know on a future episode, we're, we're talking about reinventing ourselves. 
part of that is also like letting the people around you swim around in the plastic bag for, for a bit too. Oh, I completely agree. And it was one of the things like if I'd, if I'd done it in San Francisco and I, and I did start adorning myself a little bit in San Francisco, I, I started going for some of the, the pendants and so forth where people knew me and they knew me being the, you know, a, a much more, a, a much less adorned person moving to DC and like the first summer in DC, it was just like, a, Ooh, nobody knows me. So I could really lean into yeah. this. And, and aside from like Wes's shell shock, when I turned up and say, here's the new me with yeah. my bracelets <laughs> <laughs> and Hawaiian shirts. Uh, and unfortunately, the thing that would have been perfect would have been LeBaron. Uh, but yeah, yeah, sans LeBaron. I, in some ways, also see my cars as extensions of male jewelry. That's kind of how far I take it out, is that I'm not going to wear something now that I don't have the LeBaron, which I loved. But there are things that I can get away with that I believe I can get away with in wearing in the Porsche. And there are things that, that clash with, you know, driving around in the, in a Porsche where it's like, Oh yeah, those, those two looks don't go together. You know? Yeah. Like sneakers. <laughs> so you can, you can get away with, with depending with, on the with, brand, yeah. depending on the brand. Exactly. It's like my Hugo boss and those kind of things. It's like, eh, that kind of look quite good. Yeah. I was thinking like double wide new balance. <laughs> and it's just like you pop nah. out with little short shorts and you're like hey everybody and you're like no nope. hey everybody it's just like whoa <laughs> nah yeah it's just like that you point out at the beginning josh is you know it's 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 fit let me ask you guys what about this notion that uh you know jewelry is not for men is that just complete bullshit or is it just utter bullshit <laughs> <laughs> so i i did i did a lot of reading on this when i when i sort of decided i wanted to go in for it because Look, I think I think there's stereotypes about who wears jewelry or who wears different kinds of jewelry, mm. right? Like if you wear a pinky ring, you're a mobster. If you're wearing nine beaded bracelets, you're you know like a, a reject from an ashram in Marin County. There's a lot a lot of sort of stigma and stereotype around around men wearing jewelry, and again, what it has traditionally conveyed, right? Sure, Creed did it in the '90s, but that was. 30 years ago. That's terrifying to say. <laughs> Next up on the classic rock channel, Creed. <laughs> but it is definitely becoming much more accepted, much more of a thing now. GQ had a couple articles about like, why are you not wearing jewelry? Because you really need to be right now at this moment in time. And I think it does go back to something we've talked about a lot. And, and you know, it, it piggybacks on what we were just talking about for a lot of folks who are in the corporate world, it is the one way to express that you are not an automaton. Mm. You are, you are yourself. You, you have a silver cuff or a brass cuff or, or, you know, a, a single ring on, on, you know, that's not your wedding ring. You know, it doesn't punch someone in the face and do not punch people in the face. If you're wearing rings, it'll hurt a lot, mm-hmm. but it is a way for you to say like, I am an individual I am a person. I have my own taste. I have my own thoughts. I have my own ideas, and I'm I'm not afraid to express that. It is a, a conscious choice, and it is a, a way for for people to uh, to express themselves. Some of the stigmas, right? That you know, jewelry is for women and it's feminine, or right, you're you're trying too hard to be a punk rocker. Those have sort of faded away. Again, unless you do it wrong. Yeah. Right. 
I think a lot of it as well in, in you know, building on what Josh is saying is is like what people regard as as jewelry. If you take a narrow view that it's it's rings and necklaces and it has to be gold and diamonds, then you're missing out the fact that male jewelry, which includes everything we talked about, rings, bracelets, pendants, chains, cufflinks, tie pins, it's different to what women often wear. You know, brooches and clips. If you want to wear women's women's jewelry, it fits who you are. Wear women's jewelry. But I think there is also a conservative element or an element of of social conditioning here, which says that men have to be boring, that men have to be you know dull and practical. And it, you know the the end of that is like men dressing like twelve year old boys with baggy shorts and and oversized t shirts or or like football jumpers and like that's for some unknown reason, like manliness, whereas, you know, any form of representation of, of wearing uh, something that's not that becomes something that's not manly. And and I think, where's going back to what you were saying, and I, and I was kind of, I, I had the judgy things from having been in the 90s and it's like going, yeah, I don't want to look like like Creed or a biker or what have you. Fountain pens, for example. However, I now put firmly, I put firmly in the part of jewelry. And pens are often made of gold. They're often adorned with. I mean, I have some friends who have like freaking carrot diamonds on the ends of their of their fountain pen, of the lid of their fountain pen. That's a piece of jewelry. I mean, I've got a beautiful a piece uh, Mont Blanc pen, which is a reproduction of a, a 1930s or 40s uh, Art Deco. French Art Deco pen that's absolutely gorgeous. And to me, it, it, it's, as Josh was saying, it's jewellery. It's an enhancement and an adornment, and it's it's distinctly manly. It does not look feminine. I haven't got the mitts like Josh has, but I've got very square hands with like all sort of like cripply mutated-looking fingers, uh, which is one of the reasons I don't wear rings because they actually kind of difficult to get on over my kind of twisty-knuckle things from what I was doing when I was younger, but why not bring something? And the other thing about it is that you know, using those things brings me joy. Using the pens, wearing the, you know, putting the cufflinks in with the little skulls, it gives me yep. that little buzz in the morning. It's like going, <laughs> now I'm going to take over the world. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Deciding like which cufflinks I'm going to wear today, that, that's just a fun exercise. Let me ask you now about this with just face jewelry, piercings, and, and whatnot. I think all of us have spent a significant amount of time in San Francisco and have seen, you know, a little bit of that. And then uh, you, Liam, more than probably anyone have gone to other areas of the world where punk was very prevalent. Where do you see that line? And I know that we've talked about intention and how that will affect others. How much face jewelry can someone get away with? I guess is where I'm getting at, you know, just earrings or are you now seeing that an an eyebrow bar is okay, or is it just dependent upon who the person is? How does it look on them? How does face jewelry play into this conversation? Or, you know, do you have an opinion or is it neutral? What about that? It's entirely culturally dependent around the world. And and, and to Josh's point, industry dependent. If you're in a, a, a more creative industry or a industry where some of that, like same with, I think tattoos are more widely accepted now, you can have those things because it's kind of an accepted or at least not a rejected part of your identity. 
a lot of places in the world uh, and a lot of industries you know, still shy very heavily away from overt adornment. You may be able to get away with, with like an ear stud, particularly in a lot of technical fields, like you know, a developer or a, in something where, where sort of like being nonconformist is an accepted or anticipated part of what you're doing. In a lot of things, that's not the case. If you turn up to like a, a, a meeting of pharmaceutical executives and you've got like a, a brow bar and face tattoos and like cheek piercings uh, and then like uh, rings in your earlobes, you're probably outside of the marijuana industry, you're, you're probably going to get <laughs> looked at sideways and not taken seriously. I'm here today to represent MDMA. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. So then, then, you know, like the Ferdinand nose piercing works or whatever, whatever else. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm also, I think there is still, it is very much cultural specific and industry specific. And I've always been anti-face jewelry in general, but actually unsung style icon. And I've just realized this in the last couple of weeks, like look at Lenny Kravitz. Right. Yeah. That dude looks good no matter what he's wearing, no matter where he's wearing it. And he's got some fa- some face piercings. Yep. He's got he's got a nose ring. I think he may have an eyebrow. And like it doesn't look you know, put him in a suit, it doesn't look out of place at all. Yep. Like he just rocks it and pulls it off no matter where he goes. And and like I've noticed he just sort of like pulls off whatever he's doing, wherever he's doing it. But like, he also does a lot of what we've been talking about today. Like he's got rings and bracelets and, and, and the face yeah. piercing. And like, yeah, he's also an actor and musician. Very true. I think he's also representing himself, right? He, he's yeah. representing a, his own. I hate to say it this way, but he's representing his brand, his own company him, himself. Yeah. He, he's going to go his way. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Thank you. <laughs> no, no, solid, solid. <clears throat> well set up. Well set up. I think when it comes to the jewelry aspect, uh, sorry, the the face jewelry, the piercings and and whatnot, really the whole topic here is that who are you representing? Like if you're being paid to represent somebody else, you have to take what they want to have happen. Like, you know, the mm. So you just I, I think the the way forward for anyone who's listening and they are, you know, growing in their career, if they're having to make any of these decisions, you know, just ask, you know, talk to your management and find out what is appropriate because you want to find that balance between representing others who are paying you and expressing yourself. Maybe don't take everything out, but take the hoops out. Let those, uh, let those earlobes close up. If it's going to be distracting or offensive to those who are signing your paycheck or if, decide that that's not the career for you because yourself because that's important to you and you need to get into an industry that that's okay. In which case consider a career pivot. Yes, listen to our career pivot episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. No, so, social cues make a big difference. And you know, yes, you, you can ask your, your management, but like take a look around, right? Mm-hmm. Like if everyone else is wearing, you know, a, a white button down shirt with the, you know, in the summer was a white short sleeve button down shirt and a blue suit and a pocket protector. Like, right. Maybe the eyebrow ring and, and nine skull rings isn't the right fit. And, and, you know, I think it's an important word that Liam's used over and over again. And we haven't really sort of dug into these things are adornments. They are not meant to be what walks into the room before you do. Mm. And I think, 
and maybe it is cultural. Maybe it is just sort of who tends to be gravitate towards these things. Like I think a lot of times, like the face piercings, like they will walk into a room before the person does. And you have to be prepared that that's going to be an impression that people get of you before you even have a chance to open your mouth and let them know who you are. Mm-hmm. Well said, well said. Um, Any, anything else? Or should we wrap up? I think that's uh, a good, a good show we've just put on. I think so. I, th- I think we, we covered all the major points and uh, Josh, Josh closed strongly there. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I guess in summation, um, don't bring a lighter to a gasoline fight. <laughs> <laughs> and if you do, make sure it's a Dunhill with the double roller action because that's kind of like really cool. Right. Not a sponsor. <laughs> but <should be>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you.